We're learning last time in Shaftim the cycle of Avera that Kaisal got into and that how it repeated itself again and again. What began with the, the fact that they were unfaithful to Akadish Baruch, they, they left Hashem and ended in Avera And as a result of that, Akadish Baruch sent enemies to attack them, to punish them. And Kaisal were unable to stand up to the enemies and therefore out of desperation and in pain they turn to Hashem to save them which he does that was basically the cycle which repeats itself again and again it's interesting we have a that in the first two psukim there seems to be a change of order in Pasuk it says Kaisal did harab in Hashem v'yav the sabalim it was there bad Hashem had to serve the Baal and then after that so to speak the third stage would be they abandoned Hashem, and then the fourth step, they followed Avodah Zaris. And then, so it seems that the first they worshipped the Baal, then they left Hashem, and they said Avodah Zaris. And then in the Prosecutor Gimel, it reverses order. And they worshipped the Baal and the Ashtaris. What's the difference? So we're going to see, Baz Hashem, the time talking about more is in Sefer Melachim, where we find that the primary uh, mikshal, the Kaisal then was Labal, was an Avodah Zarah, which, di- which was different to the Avodah Zarahs of what the Apostle calls the gods of the nations around him. There was something unique about the Baal, why it was so much of a threat to Kaisal Yisrael. Not just when they were exactly the service of the Baal was. But you see the Apostle here says that as well. The, Maya, the Malvin also pointed out. And that is that it started off with something, so to speak, which was in the category of Avodah But it didn't yet necessitate by Yaz versus Hashem. And there wasn't yet a, a rebellion against Hashem or the abandoned Hashem. It was the next step. Even after serving the Baal, just like it's a concept of Avodah which means a person is worshipping Hashem and something else. So that was the idea of the Baal. But that led to the next step, which is they left Hashem, and they turned to the Avodah Zarah, which was completely pagan, which had nothing to do with Hashem, which was the gods of the nations around them. So that was the that was the first step, and then each time, Hashem punishes them, and uh, as a result of that, they have to, at least some stage, regret what they did wrong. But then the cycle repeats itself again. Once again, they leave Hashem and they went back to the Baal. Right, that was the, the Mahalik of the Shafti. <coughs> now, it says Hashem, we're holding a positive design. It says, Vayakam Hashem Shafti, Vayashim Yachisem. Having sent someone to attack them, Farak Bayes, Pasak Tazain, Akadish Baruch sent Shafti to save them. And I would say it's indicative, they're called Shafti. They weren't called uh, Melachim, or they weren't called leaders, Nevim, they're called Shafti. The Gamal Shafti, they didn't listen to the Shafti. They didn't listen to the Shaftim either, which is uh, more of a time against them. That is, even when they felt themselves that they were at a loss and they had to rely on the Kodesh Baruch to extricate them from their enemies, and the Shaftim was then obviously the messenger to do that, they didn't listen to the Shaftim either. And as the Pasuk repeats, the Pasuk in Chesvi, 
Why Hashem was shaifed? And Hashem set up people to be shaifed in for them, leaders for them. Hashem was with the shaifed. He was used to save them from the enemies. For as long as the shaifed lived. So there was a measure of, of uh, security or safety, peace. Not because they did a proper children like we saw last time, but because of the oppression, because of the suffering, because the Prophet felt sorry for them. What exactly was the shofar? We'll talk about that. One minute. And didn't last. If the shofar wasn't a real shofar, it was just as a result of the suffering. So like we said last time, just like Lapari, that uh, when he was in the throes of the suffering from a Makkah, he repented, and as soon as the Makkah ended, he went back to what he was before. The same thing over here. They went back to the Hishchism of Oisam. They got even more corrupt than the previous star had been. They went back to serving of Adazara and they didn't change any of the ways which the previous terrorists had sinned in. They were, they were not better than that. Okay, so we already spoke last time. What was the underlying problem, so to speak, in the generations of the Shaftim, which led to the cycle of a very which Klayashal got stuck in and couldn't get extricate themselves. They just got worse and worse. And we saw that the fact was there was a lack of leadership. Like we said, after Yeshua was lifted, and there wasn't anybody who took off as a leader of Klayashal. Now, we asked the question, why not? Why wasn't there a leader? Maybe it was a haftachah that Vlayak, Adas Hashem, Katana, Shayan, and Raya, Klayashal shouldn't be in that position of being leaderless, of being abandoned. So there's an amazing ton of value. And Tanad Veliyah says like this. It's in Tanad Veliyah Rav, and it says it like this, that after the Yeshua died, so they had a Sanhedrin. A Sanhedrin at the time, including with such people such as Pinchas, on the Sanhedrin. And it says that they didn't, the Sanhedrin, didn't get up and journey around Klai Yisrael to maintain and make sure that everybody was keeping the standards of the Torah and enforce the Halacha. They remained the court of law, which means someone who came to them with a shaylat needed to be judged, they judged them. But did they take an active role in enforcing the standards? They didn't do that. And that was a mistake which was put at the, literally at the doorstep of the Sanhedrin at the time, that they weren't there to uh, maintain that role. And that's exactly why this dafka, these daughters, were called shaytim. Shaytim is judges. It was because that was the one function they were filling. They were acting as a court of law. They were acting as shafti. If someone wanted to come for a dentary, or someone wanted to come for uh, adjudication, so they judged them. But was there an active role in, besides being the judge which people would come to, was there an active role in being a leader to make sure, to enforce a certain standard in classroom that we don't find? And as a result of that, so when, the, when people came to them for they judged, and uh, when people didn't come to them for they, they turned a the blind eye to. And as a result of that, there was a a general decline in the level of Klai Yisrael, which means they didn't see that as their role specifically to to fulfill the position of a leader and uh, be there to go out and check and maintain the standards of Klai Yisrael, and it was considered a failing on their part. And that time the video says it's actually amazing because the first leader of Klai Yisrael after the period of Shoftim was Shmuel Novi. And the praise of Shmuel Novi is V'halach Nidei Every year he went around from city to city to city to city to city to make sure that Klai Yisrael were keeping the Torah. He didn't maintain his headquarters in one place and wait for people to come to him. And this was really reversing the mistake of the Shoftim. Which is said, being attacking what the Shoftim weren't doing right. right. And we see a Vashavit after Shoftim. For example, Tavar, just as an example. She sat where she was, Tachas Tamid Tavar, and never wanted to come to her. It would come to her. 
there wasn't that feeling of responsibility to go out and keep up the or check out on the, where Taishal were holding. We see two more examples of this principle. Both something you can learn from each one in its own right. The first one is the story of Pinchas and Yiftach. The Gemara tells us the story that Yiftach, when he went to battle, made a nether. He was one of the Shaftim. That the first thing to come out of his house, he bring as a carbon. And unfortunately, the first thing to come out of his house was his daughter. So he went to the Shechta. So the Ma'asad was a nether. It's a constant of Atar Zadar. But uh, the Gemara says that Yiftach refused to humble himself to go to Pinchas and Sanhedrin to ask for Atar Zadar. And they, even though they knew about it, wouldn't come to him. So Hashem was angry with both sides. But that was just indicative of this, exactly this mindset. And then as Sanhedrin was there, people came to them. They weren't looking to go out and deal with problems which didn't, weren't brought to them. That's the one Nukodah. The other Nukodah is that it says that because of was Ein Melech Yisrael, which means if a person is uh, it's up to them to decide do they want to go to Sanhedrin or not so they can choose not to go and then no one's going to stop them from doing what they want to do because there was no authority so to speak which was maintaining control of Israel. now why did this mistake begin and where did it begin from it sounds just like this Moshe Yeshua after him Fulfill the dual role in Israel. On the one hand, they were the Navi, they were the ones who gave the Torah, they were the ones who, uh, so as we could relate to Akadish Baruch Hu, on the one side. On the other side, they were also the leaders. And therefore, they took, act, they took an active interest in everything that was going on in Israel to make sure that Israel was doing what Hashem wanted. After Yeshua died, like we saw, so the Zakanim, or the Darius after him, so the focus was on the fact that they were the Sanhedrin who were Paschal Halachas or Pinchas was a Navi. That, that, that part of the leadership they maintained. In other words, that there was still the Torah leadership, if you want to call it that, or the ability to ask Nevo. But the the chilek of going out to like to maintain control of the Klai Israel, they didn't do that. And the reason for this. We see that uh, the Gemara in Haris tells us there was a concept of the Bastin of Klai Yisrael, the Sanhedrin Agadol, and there was, Sanhedrin, there was the Sanhedrin of each Shevet, which means the whole justice system was broken down from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu into the Sanhedrin Agadol, then the smaller Sanhedrin, then the regional Sanhedrin, and then the Sari Sanhedrin. Or if you want to put in the words of the Torah, the, the, the Sari Asaris, and the Sari Chamishim, and the Sari Meis, and the Sari Alapim. Now, when you have a structure like that, so let's ask the question. What's the responsibility of the people at the top of the pyramid? Does, does uh, authority, so to speak, work just one level down? Which means, the, the Sari Asara on top of each ten, the Sari Chamishim on top of the five Sari Asara, the Sari Meas on top of the Sari Chamishim, the Sari Adaf on top of them, and each one's responsible for one strata lower on the level, or no? It's, it's like overlapping authority. Which means the Sari Chamishim are also in charge of the 10 who are under Sari Asara. And the Sari Mayas are in charge of the 50 and the 10s, they're in charge of all 100. It's like becomes like an overlap, they're, they're more responsible. And therefore, the same thing would happen in the common level of Ta Yisrael. Was each shev, the, the, the basin of each Shevet responsible for a Shevet? The basin of each city responsible for its city? And then the basin of God of Ta Yisrael was responsible, so to speak, for just the branch basins underneath them? 
Or not, there, there, there was a con, the, cons, the overlapping responsibility that each one was responsible for the ones under them, but the, the top of the pyramid is responsible for everybody. If we have to bring it down uh, practically to the way the world works today, which we don't have basins, we don't have sarim, the same idea, but just like a very simple example. Is each Rosh Hashiva responsible just for his Bakrim? Or do we say whoever the, the Gedele Rosh Hashivas are, whoever's going to be the God Ladar, is responsible just for the Rosh Hashivas, or is he also responsible for the Bach in every Yeshiva? In other words, it's the same idea. When you have a pyramid, is everyone just responsible for the, for the level under them, or is the people at the top responsible for everything? Now, when there was clearly Yeshiva, like by Moshe Rabbeinu, by Yeshiva, so of course, there, there was a different level. There, were the, there was a whole system of judges, and besides for that, there was the leader. And the same thing happens later, when we have the kings, the Melachim, the Melech wasn't part of the system of the judges. It was a separate concept. There was the Sanhedrin Agadol. And if you see in David Melech's time, for example, he wasn't the Rosh Sanhedrin. Here, here he was. In the time of Shlema Melech, the Rosh Sanhedrin was Beniyah, Beniyah, Yadah. So there was a separate system. There was a system of the justice system, or the judiciary, and there was a system of the king. The king had responsibility for everybody. So then he took control. But in the time when the Sanhedrin was meant to be the top of the pyramid, so now the question, how much are they responsible for? Did they have to take responsibility for everybody? Well, no. They're responsible for the top. And then each, they expected each, each level down to take responsibility of the level under them. For sure. That's talking about the Torah. The question is besides the Torah. That they did. They, they, they passed them. They were called shaykhs. They were judges. But besides that, was there also an idea of responsibility for everybody? Or no? They were just, everyone felt they were responsible just for their... Just for their... For their... For their... What should have been is what's meant to be is there was meant to be that, that overriding responsibility that uh, the, the more senior, so to speak, sire is responsible for everybody under him, not just the, the, the level under him. And if that's the case, then for sure, that's Nehru Agadol, is responsible for all of Kla Israel. They should have taken the responsibility and, and made sure to maintain the standards of Kla Israel. Mashankan, in a time when uh, they were just dealing with, so to speak, they're one level down, and each one was dealing with the one level down, so then you get a lack of central responsibility. Each area did its own thing, because each area has its based in, and each place did its based in. Everyone did what they wanted on their own, because there wasn't the authority from the top, which built, the, so to speak, a structure which everyone was was mishubed to. Why did they cover the low level? So each area did its own conquests, fought its own battles. They had a based in. Oh, they achieved it. Where was Klai Israel? Answers this, the, the central Sanhedrin wasn't functioning in the capacity of running a whole Israel. They left it to each division to function itself, and that's exactly why there's such a fragmentation. Right. The dogma. We talk much later on in the Sanhedrin, the time of the, of the Mishnah, right? Obviously, that, at that stage, there wasn't this whole division anymore, right? But then we see that the responsibility of the Sanhedrin was to make sure that the whole of Klai Yisrael were being Mekayim the Torah. Many, many times in Shas, in the Mishnahis, we find what Basin would do in order to ensure everyone was keeping the Torah. For example, they would send Shlichim to make sure there were no Kilayim. Right? They would go up rooting Kilayim from everybody's fields. They would send Shlichim to make sure that there were all the Kfarim, that there were Metzai and the Kfarim, that the Kfarim wouldn't get Tameh. Just as examples, they would send Shlichim in Shviz to make sure no one was, breaking, was planting things in Shviz. Right? That was how Basin is meant to work. If the Sanhedrin Nagadal is the authority, which again, it went back to that in the time of the Mishnah, because then there were no kings. So who ran Kai Yisrael? The Nasi in the Sanhedrin. Whether it was Hidalat Nasi, Ram Gamliel, or Abiyad Nasi, whoever it was, that was the Jewish leadership. Right? There was a brief period in between whether the kings of the Hashmonaim, 
But after that, when we went back to the to the that was the time of the Zogos, but after we went back to when went back to the Sanhedrin and the Nasi, that was Kaiser's leadership. And if that's the case, that took responsibility. It was their job to make sure Kaiser was living a very Nasi is not the equivalent of a king. He worked within the framework of the Sanhedrin. Like we see. Each Nasi led his Sanhedrin. There was the Nasi wasn't something separate from Sanhedrin like a king. And it wasn't that the uh, executive and the judiciary were two separate departments. The Nasi was the Russian Hedrin. Um, but in the time of the Mishnah, we see that there was the mayor of the Nasim. They ran Klai Israel. They made Takonis. They insisted, they made sure that Klai Israel kept the Torah. Now, that was how the Sanhedrin was meant to work. But like Tana Daniel says, the time on the Sanhedrin of the Shaiftim was that they didn't do their job. They kept themselves, themselves as a Sanhedrin, as a judiciary, and they didn't maintain the role of overseeing everything which happened in Klai Israel. Okay, so that's just the background to explain where the, where, where, where the mistake started from. And therefore, the same thing. Each shofet on his own could come to save Klai Yisrael, but even in his lifetime, they didn't listen to him, like the Prophet told us. That the government shoftem lo shameu. They didn't listen to the shofet. Now, the shofet, the Chorosh, should have had authority, right? Because he was the leader, he was in, in charge. And the Cholzos, that same problem happened, that even when there was a shofet, he didn't have the control or maintain that control to make sure that no one would disobey. So then this, this isn't something which necessarily other doors have solved. That's the same question. What's the leader's job? Is it his job for people to come to him for direction or for advice or for guidance or for psaq or whatever it's going to be? Or is it his job to take an active interest in what's going on and make sure that the Torah is being kept? Not only when he's being consulted or he's being approached. We find that, like we said, the second for the Shaftim was Shmuel Navi, and that, that was exactly the matter of Shmuel Navi. That he, he made sure to travel all over Israel to make sure people keep in the Torah. Fine. Now, so that's the first point we spoke about. Now, the next point. Yisrael. And he said, since this, this, this nation were over the, the covenant with Hashem, which was not so very desirable, Hashem would have they weren't listening to Hashem. Therefore, Hashem's response, Hashem said, this was a repetition of the Nevoah we saw that the Malach Hashem brought from Boichim in the previous parrot. And then Hashem said, I'm not going to drive in any more of the Goyim. Whoever was there when you showed down is staying there. And that was the punishment for their not taking, not listening to Hashem to drive out the God. The, the, this was the Nevoah we saw before, why Akash Baruch stopped helping Akash, so to speak. And therefore, from now on, was the man, Nasis Pem is Israel, Hashem is Derech Hashem, Elechas Pem, Kashem Shamru, Avoy Samim Loi. It was meant to be a Nasayin of Test for Israel, if they were going to keep the Derech Hashem to follow it like their fathers did or not. And this is a principle always. And that is, when a person fails something they're meant to do, so then it becomes a test to see if they're going to pass it. And this is something we've spoken about a number of times in the various Musavadim, and that is, if Hashem wants a person to overcome a certain point, to overcome a certain challenge, if he fails, it's not going away. It's there to overcome. It's going to remain there to overcome, because that's what the person needs to do. Hashem loves us, and more chances. And the same thing again and again, until we do it. Right? And that's exactly what happened here. The idea was to overcome the crime, they didn't, and now it remained a test for them when they're going to do it. And if Hashem left the Goyim there, not to destroy them right away, 
And now that's the question what that means. He didn't even give them to Yeshua. Yeshua, we're talking is even after Yeshua died. And this, we said before, really there was a, there was a complaint against Yeshua that he wasn't quick enough. We didn't exercise every opportunity to destroy the Goyim. At that stage, Hashem decided that he's not going to keep Yeshua alive long enough if he's not going to do the job. So it became the job of Kaisal after Yeshua died. And when Kaisal didn't do the job, straight away, when they had the opportunity, Hashem said, okay, now it's going to be in your new sign. You, you, it's going to remain in Nisan because, like every Nisan, like we said, it's something which is left for a person until he overcomes it. The best case scenario which is that Shvatim on their own were meant to destroy the remaining guy. And Hashem promised them he would help them. And it was only because either they didn't or they were too scared or whatever the reason, the justification is why they didn't, then it became something which disobeyed Hashem. And that already became, Hashem said, if you're not going to destroy them, now they're going to become a challenge for you. Now you're going to have to overcome the challenge. Of being influenced by them, and Kaishal did not overcome the challenge, and that started the spiral of Kaishal going wrong. Why is that the same thing though? Yeshua himself told him this. If you look back to Yeshua's final message of Kaishal and Parakop Gimel, this is exactly what Yeshua told him was going to happen. Just there he says the threat, that's exactly what he said in his warning to Kaishal. And he says in Parakop Gimel, Pasuk Gibbes, Kim Shoyet Hashavu, Udvaktim Biyasra Goyma Ele, Hanisharim Ha'ele Etchem. If you're going to, to connect to the Goyim who's still among you, if you're going to intermingle with them, marry them, connect to them, you should know. Hashem will stop fighting them. Hashem won't drive them out anymore. And what's going to happen if they stay here? They're going to be a trap for you. They're going to be something which is always there to punish you. Until you get destroyed. The Torah wanted the same thing too. If you're not going to deal with the Goyim, the Goyim are there, and the Goyim are going to be a problem. And again, the same idea applies in, 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 to everybody. If a person doesn't overcome in a middle, the middle stays there, and then it gets worse. And yes, it's harder to fight. If a person doesn't overcome in his side, then his side remains. It gets more of a... Okay, so that's exactly what happened to Klai Yisrael. I just wanted to fin- that was what we wanted to say to explain the parak. I said two minutes, I wanted to serve something unbelievable. Mamish the same episode we just learned tonight. I heard from Moshe Steinbach. And uh, he was taught, Moshe Steinbach, as is well known, during the years of the Second World War, was a Talmud of Moshe Schneider in London. Moshe Schneider was one of the Shivs at the time, and he shivs in London in exile because Europe was in war. And he said, he told me the following story. He said that um, during the war, obviously, the England, they knew what was going on, more or less. They knew people, I don't know, the full extent, but they definitely knew that the Jews were being destroyed. He said, the Bachim all asked for Moshe Schneider, like, my high, what's going on? Why, why are Kaisha being punished? So, and the question wasn't just on those parts of Kaisha who unfortunately had uh, turned to reform or communism or any other, any other replacement for Yiddishkeit in the band of Hashem. But even so many from Jews and so many tzaddikim were being killed. So Moshe Shlomo told me that Schneider's answer was, he said, because everybody was only interested in themselves. He said, each Reb was interested in his chassidim, each Rosh Hashim was interested in his talmidim, each Rav in his town, no one was taking responsibility for Kali Yisrael. Which is a pathetic thing to say. But what does it mean, does it mean taking responsibility for Kali Yisrael? So to try and fight the trends which were affecting the rest of Israel. And it's understood. If you read the writings of the Gedolim of the time, 
everyone was playing a very defensive strategy. Everyone felt that the forces of whether it was Zionism, liberalism, communism, socialism, whatever it was, was too strong. And they were trying their best to protect themselves and so to fence themselves off from the onslaught of the culture of the time. And he said, therefore, everyone was just interested in protecting themselves. Who was fighting for Ta'a Israel? Who? The Chavetz Chaim. And that's why the whole Nazism only started after the Chavetz Chaim was nifted. The Chavetz Chaim was nifted in 1933, and after that, when Hitler came to power. That was his time. Now, it's an amazing thing. But uh, if that's the case, it's mamish the same thing as a shaftim. And that is, there's a leadership has to have responsibility to go out and look after Klai Yisrael. The idea that people are just taking a position of, if someone comes to me, or I'm going to look after whoever like, is coming to me for the advice, so maybe that's not the responsibility of every year, but for the leadership of Klai Yisrael, that becomes their responsibility. You're responsible on the whole Klai Yisrael. And therefore, as leaders, they were meant to not just try and, so to speak, work on protecting those who are near to them, or those who are under their influence, but work in Klai Yisrael. How's our generation 